You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with uh, fellow nerds John Beeler and AJ Vickery. we got a pretty interesting show. Later on, we'll uh, be talking about uh, Father's Day gifts. Well, obviously tech-related. Uh, we're starting now because, for the most part, you're probably ordering them online, and uh, now would be the time. So we've got some great uh, gift suggestions for your favorite uh, dad. We'll also be talking about uh, another COVID pandemic that happened five years ago and killed over one million, and uh, how uh, how they dealt uh, with uh, with that uh, using uh, technology. It is a fascinating interview with uh, our friend Brian Jackson uh, from Toronto. Right now, though, uh, this is the time where we talk about some of the tech news out there. Uh, and John, you have an update for us uh, on the Phonus SIM. This is a SIM card uh, that promised uh, really cheap monthly rates and would work anywhere in the world with no roaming charges, which we all thought was very exciting. Uh, I think they started promoting this thing back in October. And John, you just got your SIM card. I I did indeed get my actual SIM card. And um, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. You you (laughs) haven't even tried it yet, have you? Well, I don't want to activate it because I don't really need it. Um, And... As of this moment, you can't even port your own number to it yet. It, apparently, that feature is coming. Yeah, uh, that might be more compelling when that feature does arrive for me to activate it, and then I can use that instead of my uh, my more expensive uh, Telus plan. Um, but uh, yeah, it it kind of came unceremoniously in a very simple uh, package from uh, Hong Kong, um, and. Uh, it's, it's funny, though, because AJ, you ordered one, and Stephen yeah. Fung, uh, one of our producers, ordered one. I'm the only one that has gotten it so far. Um, and apparently, they're all being shipped out of Mississauga now. Um, so the Sims are arriving, it seems, but uh, in very um, sporadic quantities. Didn't you have a warning on yours? Yeah, it it basically says, uh, let me read it. Our wireless data services are intended to be used for the following permitted activities, web browsing, email, intranet access, if permitted by your plan, uploading and downloading applications and content to and from the internet or third-party application stores, using applications and content without excessively contributing to network congestion. You agree to use wireless data services only for these permitted activities. That doesn't seem like unlimited to do what you want with data. That was one of the uh, the promises of this SIM card, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't really know what's left outside of that. Streaming. <laughs> I think streaming, like watching <laughs> well, Netflix movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, when we actually had the Phonus guys in the studio, um, I can't remember when that was, late last year, I think, um, one of the things that they talked about was the fact that people were sort of testing the limits of it uh, by downloading like terabytes of content. So, um, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, I might activate it just for fun and uh, yeah. and see what I can get away with. Well, uh, we'll uh, have to get an update from you, John. I'm, I'm still fascinated by this whole thing and if this will be around by the uh, end of the year, if that long. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> AJ, you may never get yours. Yeah, well, I, I again, I never expected to get it. Um, I fully was aware of that when I put my twenty five bucks into the the pile. So, you know, no no love lost. But it's it is interesting that John got his, and I guess he was just a little nicer in our interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. 
let's move on to another thing that uh, we've been uh, following, and uh, this was uh, uh, a device uh, from uh, Miyashita, Miyashita Laboratory uh, that I guess is a uh, a taste synth- synthesizer. So this is a, a device uh, using electrical simulation uh, that you could put on your tongue, and it can simulate uh, like hot chocolate, pepperoni pizza, uh, just by mixing the different types of uh, taste uh, buds that we have on our tongues. Is this something you'd want to stick in your mouth, AJ? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's actually okay. So there's there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, essentially they're claiming that the that essentially with these like five gel i think it was five gels correct me if i'm wrong there yeah um they can literally um through um sort of sending uh, electricity into those they can sort of create all these different flavors all the different flavors of anything you know it kind of reminds me of uh, willow wonka's chocolate factory and that bubble gum that you chew that it goes from you know, oh yeah yeah roast roast dinner to finish it off with blueberry pie right <laughs> Uh, but you know it's interesting because um, you know if you remember in the 1990s there was that uh, there was that technology. Mike, we got this. I remember us looking at it. I don't know if you remember, but it was a little device that came with smell cartridges. I smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, okay. and it would literally uh, poof out little smells, um, <laughs> it, you know, related to whatever application you were in. So yeah. it create that sort of like next level um, sensation uh, with the with the experience that you're having. So you know, take this all into VR. You know, sit down at a beautiful dinner, order a steak, buy you know, wonderful like you know Bordeaux wine, and all of a sudden you're you're uh, you're all that's just gels shooting off in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of looks like you're licking a battery, though. Um, yeah, this, yeah. This looks like a flashlight that you stick in your mouth and you lick, and then you get electrocuted, and it makes you feel a certain sensation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated to see this. I remember the eye smell uh, device. Uh, I mean, it was kind of okay. I mean, it was. <laughs> what applications could you use it with? Like, what is what does Excel smell like? Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> just so cardboardy kind of <laughs> <laughs> old files yeah and cigarettes <laughs> uh we have a great show for you today uh coming up we're going to be talking about a pandemic that happened five years ago that killed over a million that uh, i don't think a lot of people know about and uh, the lessons learned from that from a technology standpoint we'll also be talking later on about techie father's day gifts uh, if you Still need to uh, think about uh, a tech gift for your uh, father. Now's the time because you'll probably have to order it and uh, you'll need a, a little bit of uh, leeway as far as getting that delivered uh, in time for Father's Day. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to talk about the coronavirus uh, that uh, actually swept a large population back about five years ago, killing over a million. Humans? No, it was pigs. On the line, we've got our pig expert, Brian Jackson. He is the research director in the CIO practice at Infotech Research Group. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Glad to be here, Mike, and uh, I'm, I'm always glad when uh, my uh, esoteric pig knowledge can come up useful. <laughs> so uh, here we are. I, I found this really interesting. So this, this I didn't even know this happened five years ago, uh, a coronavirus, and there's obviously been multiple coronaviruses uh, before COVID-19, actually killed, uh, I think, a million U.S. pigs. And so farmers started getting serious about biosecurity measures. Tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, exactly. There have been multiple coronaviruses that have affected different populations uh, before COVID-19. Like uh, a lot of your listeners will remember SARS, right? We called it SARS back in, what was it, 2002, right? And that was a coronavirus. So this is why we call it the novel coronavirus. Maybe you've seen that sort of terminology around. And um, most coronaviruses, of course, don't affect people. They affect animals, right? And and you get the odd one that uh, is transmissible from an animal to humans, and that's when you really get into trouble. And that's the situation we're in now. Of course, this situation where we're talking about a coronavirus that affected the pig population, and you're right, it killed one million pigs about six years ago. And uh, it, it hit the U.S. the hardest. And you might not have heard about this because it didn't actually affect the consumer supply in terms of a health threat. It did result in fewer pigs being slant, uh, sent into the food supply line. So there were there was less pork going around that year, but not so much this. Um, there was big shortages, right? It, it, it actually drove up the prices quite a bit. What's important about this for the context of our discussion here is, is because pig farmers realized that uh, they were so vulnerable to these coronaviruses and, and other types of biosecurity threats, they decided that they had to organize a, a better system, a process using technology that would prevent them from having this sort of problem again. And, and they've implemented them into uh, many of their facilities. And I think we could learn a lot about what they're doing and how they're managing certain uh, highly vulnerable areas where they don't want Uh, virus infections. So what kind of technology are the pig farmers using? Yeah, so there's uh, this company out of Omaha and um, this company, you know, it was founded by a guy that started as a general contractor where he went around and he built uh, food production facilities. So you and I might think about them as barns, right? But in in the farming industry, these are high-grade commercial farming complexes. And there's a lot of uh, specific construction elements that you have to consider here. And uh, his name was Anthony Novero. Now, Anthony, when he was building these facilities, his clients kept asking him about biosecurity measures. How can we prevent our pigs from getting sick because we don't want to lose our livestock to disease. And of course, that costs us money. It makes the pig sick. Everybody's unhappy with this. Um, so he, he realized that there was an opportunity to address this with a real solution because basically at that time, uh, as Anthony puts it, um, the, the pork industry or the farming industry, they were using like uh, pencil and paper to log the people that were coming in and out of their facilities. And and as we've learned with uh, COVID-19, the way that a virus spreads is really through people, right? They become the hosts or they become the carriers. And in this case, what was happening is that um, people going to different pig farming facilities would have some sort of dirt on or some sort of feces on their clothing. And it doesn't take much, right? You just have to be a little bit dirty. A few uh, molecules of that uh, virus being carried on your pant leg or something could infect a whole other herd. And that's the end of the story, right? Once it gets in there. So 
what you need to do is you need to make sure that the right people are getting into your facilities uh, that are authorized to be there and that they haven't been into any other areas where there's a big risk that they're actually carrying some sort of virus and that it's going to spread between different pig herds. So Anthony, he created this solution that he calls protocol and it's basically like a fancy camera uh, it's called uh, pr- protocol because there's uh, a time of flight camera on it and it does a facial recognition scan of you. It's connected to a commercial grade lock on a door. And uh, once it recognizes that you're allowed to be in there, uh, it will unlock the door and let you and only you into that facility. And have many pig farmers started using this technology? I mean, it's only going to work if you get a wide adoption, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually become like one of the standard things. And there's new compliance requirements um, throughout the the world that uh, really beef up the requirements for um, biosecurity around the farming process, right? And it's not just that they all have to use uh, Novatech, right? Although it, it, it is a popular solution definitely throughout the U.S., but there's a lot of different technology solutions that are designed to prevent uh, the spread of biosecurity threats, as they're known now. And this is everything from uh, invasive insects to viruses to bacteria. So uh, they've got it down to a fine science. And what they've realized, Mike, is that uh, there are certain areas where you just don't want to let people into that that could pose a certain risk, right? Let, so in, now when they were thinking about this in the pig farming industry, they're thinking about it by the value of their livestock, okay? So I learned a lot of different ways that they think about the value of uh, the food production process in uh, pig farming or in livestock farming in general. So, uh, for example, there's the pigs that are going into the food supply chain, and they're sort of thinking about that as the food stock, right? And even more valuable uh, to pig farmers than the food stock, the pigs that are going to uh, be to the slaughterhouse, are, is what they call the genetic material. No, Anthony said that to me, and I was like, what, what do you mean genetic material? Well, it's the pigs they use to breed the pigs that go into the slaughterhouses, right? So um, it's this interesting division of livestock, right, based on what's more valuable. And, of course, the genetic material is more valuable uh, because you use that to produce all of the food supply. And th- there's a lot of reasons why you want certain pigs breeding to produce um, your food supply, right? So the the lesson learned from that is that we could think about areas that in other industries that we don't want people to go into and pose a certain risk, right? And based on the area uh, and the risk that uh, is acceptable in that area, we can be more or less discriminatory about who goes in there, right? Now, Obviously, when you go to the grocery store, this isn't going to be the solution that works, right? Not everybody is going to have their facial uh, ID scanned at the grocery store to get in. Uh, There can't be like a huge centralized database of everybody in the world um, that's allowed to to go anywhere. We're thinking about more specific scenarios like, say, long-term care homes, Right where where this virus has been uh, quite devastating, and we've seen the the effects of that. So, um, if you know that there are certain personnel that are allowed to go into long term care homes to deliver their 
care to deliver their services, then why not um, have those people authorized on a system like this? And they can have their face their face scanned. They can log in just using their their own face to to get access. And nobody else can go in there, right? And and you can have certain areas within a long term care facility where there's uh, perhaps people that you know are ill, right? And you could separate those. You could have those people in an area being serviced by certain uh, caregivers, and then other people in a different area that are not sick that are just um, in good health, and uh, they have a different set of caregivers that are attending to them. And you could prevent cross-contamination between those groups, which would go a long way to preventing uh, illness from spreading in a, a scenario like that. We are going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Brian Jackson about pig farmers and what they did and learned from their COVID pandemic uh, five years ago and how we can apply some of those lessons to the humans in this world. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are talking with Brian Jackson today about pig farmers and the technology they use to prevent more pandemics and uh, the damage that causes to their pig populations and what we might be able to learn here in our country. Well, I think if we look at the COVID-19 pandemic and where in Canada here, anyway, most of the deaths occurred, uh, the vast majority would be in the elderly population and in long care uh, term uh, homes. And so definitely I, I could see this type of technology helping there, but do you think there's the will and the money to make that happen? Well, after this, you might think that there would be, right? I mean, we have a situation in Canada right now where we, and in Ontario and in Quebec, this is happening. I'm not sure in other provinces, but uh, over here, we have the military that are in long-term care homes, and they just requested that they could uh, maintain a presence in Quebec until September. Uh, we saw that an extension of a few weeks for the military presence in long-term care homes here in Ontario. So, um, the there's sort of uh, huge alarm bells going off and a sense that um, the need to pay attention to this space has never been more dire. Now, Anthony Novaro, this guy in Omaha with his protocol, uh, he's already getting calls from people that work in these sort of facilities or that manage these sort of facilities, and they're talking to him about how they can adapt protocol, which is intended for farmers, into to other industries like uh, hospitals, long-term care homes, and places where you, you would think there's a high risk of uh, cross-contamination, where people might have a disease in one room, you don't want that to spread to a different room. But I can see long-term care homes uh, implementing something like this if there was the will and their money, and I, I got to be honest, I'm skeptical that uh, they would make that kind of financial commitment. And I know that it's all very fresh right now, and I think they should, but it would cost a tremendous amount of money to introduce that uh, you know, across the country. But in hospitals, that would be just astronomical as far as cost and uh, you know how they would implement that. When you think about how big hospitals are and how many people are you know, fundamentally going through there on, on a daily basis, even during a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's in, we, we always think about the costs that are associated with technologies and new solutions, right? But you also have to think about what's the cost of not doing it? 
Well, the I think we're I think we found that out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, exactly right. I mean, we're looking at all these deaths in long term care homes because uh, the standards were so poor, and we were allowing uh, a situation where. Uh, once a virus was in there, there was no real way to monitor it, to track it, to make sure it didn't spread throughout the population. So I, th- I think the will to to explore these options will be there. And, and in some scenarios, it may not even be that um, the operating cost is that high you, because there are... Uh, you know, scenarios in hospitals today where you have certain areas where staff only staff are allowed, right? You might have pass card systems that are typical to be used, or you might have systems where people are checking in with a front desk. Like, have you ever gone to a hospital and you're visiting somebody on that floor? You have to go and sign in with the the attendee that, that's checking. They have a pen and paper system, right? And you write your name down uh, and uh, and the time that you're logging in. Well, that's the system that uh, pig farmers realized was no good uh, six years ago, right? And uh, now now the rest of these industries are catching up to what to what the um, they've learned. So the pig farmers are smarter than the government and humans, is what you're saying here? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it's not a high bar. <laughs> um, God, there's so many questions uh, here. I, I think there's no question that uh, governments and, and just as citizens, uh, we have to look at this technology because if we had even like a fraction of this tech in long care term homes and, and hospitals, we might not be in this situation right now. So even though it might cost hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars, and I could see it getting there, uh, it could save maybe trillions of dollars. Like, look what's happened with this pandemic right now. Everyone's been shut out of work for months. Like, it's devastating the world economy. And so uh, I think the challenge, though, Brian, is that, you know, as humans, we're all very reactionary. We don't really step up to do something before something bad has happened to us. Yeah, it's so true. I think that's exactly the scenario that got us into this situation, and um, we we need to now react, right? And and j- just before uh, this pandemic, it was, it was interesting that um, in the world of academia, people were talking about the need for better biosecurity measures. You know, not just with uh, locks and doors and and facial recognition scans to identify authorized people, but um, I, at at uh, government level at many different industry levels um, the uh, people were sort of becoming aware that biosecurity was a real weak point uh, globally and uh, there were a number of research papers that were, the number of research papers being published uh, in the years leading up to now has been increasing uh, year over year we saw that uh, and so people have sort of been turning their heads towards this problem and now because of this crisis i think the attention it's brought everybody's full attention to it it's tough though uh, you know and again you know this happened five years ago with the pigs that uh, that that particular covid virus uh, wiped out a million of them you know how do you go to the government and say hey a million pigs just died we gotta we gotta make some changes uh to how we deal with you know the human population what politician's gonna stick his neck out and, and make something like that happen. So I it, it's just tough. I question that. Brian, I, I want to thank you for joining us today in this conversation. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it a lot. Brian Jackson, the research director and in the CIO practice over at the Infotech Research Group. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. 
You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John and AJ. It's Father's Day coming up, and uh, I'm excited. I, I'm just thinking about all the great gifts <laughs> I'm going to get uh, that I'm going to probably buy for myself. How about you, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm a fairly new father, so I'm still uh, still enjoying it. I'm still getting a lot of attention on Father's Day, and there's definitely uh, I've made a few hints. Did you? What do you What yeah. do you want? Well, um, you know, the, everything's going electric, right? I mean, we've got the electric cars, we've got those little electric commuter scooters. John, I know you have one of those. Um, you know, I think it's finally time I get an electric golf cart. Where are you Where are you going to use that? On the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a golf caddy so basically instead of i know i know this is horrible because like golf like is it a sport or is it a game like i get it but um you know if you're out there you might as well get some exercise and push your own golf cart or carry your own golf bag but this is so cool you can so you're not talking have. you're not talking golf cart but a golf bag no i'm talking about a little tiny pulley that you put your golf bag on you don't sit in it no. okay okay yeah, yeah sorry yeah, oh no <laughs> i can just see you driving that around town <laughs> it's like caddy shack no 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 sorry i'm talking about like a little golf caddy okay you know it's a small a small little device um you know essentially probably using a lot of the same electric technology as being used in these scooters or hoverboards and whatnot and uh and these things have um they, they have all sorts of technology built into them you can have them follow you around example so they're like and we've seen luggage do that as well uh they could they course correct they so as you're walking down the up to your ball to take your next shot you just turn around turn around behind you and your golf bag is right there following you so like that annoying employee at work <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> something like that stop following me bob for all the golfers listening right now they're just getting excited right because you can buy these things now for you know anywhere from like 600 bucks up to 1200 bucks your six-year-old daughter will be able to afford that yeah she's gonna have to do a, a lot of uh, chores a lot of chores around the house <laughs> okay so this is a golf bag that'll follow you around yes okay uh, let's look at some of the other uh, tech gift ideas. I actually uh, had a chance to talk to uh, Global uh, News uh, this week about some of the uh, the things that uh, we were looking at. A really good, inexpensive one uh, was a, a screwdriver set, uh, like a, a precision screwdriver set. Um, I, I got one off of uh, Amazon. It has 68 different little tiny screwdriver heads. This is fantastic for getting into like uh, little small electronics, cell phones, hard drives, uh, even even computers uh, and laptops. Uh, I got one off Amazon uh, last year. I think it's like 24 bucks. Best thing I ever bought. It's funny because when you told me you had got that one, I looked at it and like I actually had purchased the exact same one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so useful because it comes with a bunch of different things. I think it's really meant for like cell phone repair and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause it has like a little suction cup for pulling the screen off and some other pry tools to pop open the battery off the back, that kind of thing. Um, but it's got all the little bits for all the little small electronics that need really tiny little screws and um, all kinds of different um, other little gadgets that comes in the kit as well beyond just a screwdriver set. And, and for 25 bucks, you can't, or 24 bucks, you can't beat that. Oh, it's fantastic because, you know, f- before I had it, um, I was always, you know, when I had to open up like like a battery cover even uh, for that matter on like these little electronic devices and remotes that had a, uh, you know, a screw on it, I was always looking for a screwdriver, you know, going through my drawers. And I think I just had like one, but this one here, like 68 different uh, attachments on it is fantastic. Again, it's available on Amazon. We've got a link up on our uh, on our website, uh, gcpix.com. Is it up there, John? It is, yes. Okay, another 
great gift idea. We've talked a lot about this uh, over the past a few months, uh, a mesh router. Uh, so this is a, a router that would replace uh, the one that you got from your internet service provider or maybe your old one that's, uh, you know, five to ten years old. And there are a lot out there uh, that old. Mesh is the way to go because uh, it actually uh, comes typically in packs. Uh, so you get one little router that uh, attaches, uh, you know, right to your cable or DSL modem that you got from your ISP. And the other one you place uh, strategically through the home to extend the network. The nice thing is that this just creates one network uh, throughout the house and it basically kills the Wi-Fi uh, dead spot. So uh, I had a look at the Linksys uh, VLOP uh, series. They've got all sorts of different packs, uh, two packs, three packs. The uh, the base two pack model that would cover about a 3,000 square foot home starts at 199. John, uh, any uh, other ideas you had? Well, we always talk about the benefits of an Apple Watch, um, yeah. especially for dads. Uh, and, you know, I've got a Series 5. I think you've got a Series 4. Maybe uh, your daughter can buy you a new Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Does she love me that much? I don't know. <laughs> I guess you'll find out yeah. on Father's Day. I think it's up there in the, the golf uh, electronic caddy category as far as... Uh, pricing but yeah i'd love a series five but yeah john you're right these things are awesome uh, if your dad is in the iphone camp uh, and he hasn't got one of these yet they're fantastic you know from working out to notifications some of them uh, even have cell chips in them so you could use it as your cellular phone like dick tracy without having to carry your smartphone around which is kind of cool but not to mention all the health benefits of being able to, to monitor your heart rate and um blood pressure and a bunch of other things like that, that it'll actually give you notifications for. And we've talked about on the show many times uh, about how beneficial that can be for, for the older gentlemen in the audience. This, the se- yes, the seasoned uh, veterans. And, you know, another great gift idea is, uh, you know, if he already has an Apple Watch, uh, or of course he's got a smartphone, is the accessories that are available for these things. Uh, Apple Watches, there are like thousands of different cool straps you can get for them uh, up on Amazon. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, that's kind of the fun thing about the Apple Watch is just how you can kind of customize them with uh, a new strap. Uh, it's pretty easy to, to change those too. You just press a button and the strap comes off. It's it's very simple. So they, they actually kind of sell them as fashion accessories. Like, like you would change your socks. You can change your Apple wrist strap. Yeah, I mean, and these things start at like 10 bucks. And, you know, same with, uh, you know, smartphone cases. Uh, and, and who doesn't need another charging cord? <laughs> I think uh, I could always use another lightning cord because somehow they're always uh, going missing uh, in, in my house so you know those uh you know are in the 10 to 15 dollar uh, range uh, as well and the, you know get a, get them a long one uh those are much appreciated uh you know uh, instead of the the short little three foot ones get them a six foot one uh you know get get one of those braided ones too that are really durable oh, yes so, yeah. so that you can steal that from your dad you know a week after father's day <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to have to take a break. If you want to see some more Father's Day gift ideas, go to gcpicks.com. That's gcpicks.com. We've uh, got a few gift ideas uh, up there. And uh, if you ever hear us talking uh, about gadgets, uh, whether it's on a radio program or if I'm up on uh, Global News talking about some tech, we're going to put it up on our gcpicks.com uh, website. When we come back from the break, we're going to reach into our... Uh, our old tickle trunk, talking about some of the old tech that we still have uh, lying around. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John and AJ. We've got a little bit of time left. We're going to go back to retro tech. And John, uh, you're digging through your uh, your garage. What did you come up with? 
I have the first $100 computer, the Timex Sinclair 1000. This was a really fun little thing that came out in 1982. uses a membrane keyboard, and you plug it into your TV, and it was just black and white only. And it kind of has like an auto-suggest feature. As you start typing, it will auto-suggest words that work in basic. So you press the P for print, and it would just auto write out print because you didn't have to type the whole thing and uh it was pretty fun they even sold memory expansions this was 64 kilobytes of expansion and uh it's it's pretty pretty cool pretty cool stuff still works too 100 bucks back then that that was pretty amazing yeah well i I was i was actually reading online uh when they came out uh it was right around the time when the commodore computers were starting to come out and the vic 20 was a little bit more expensive and what so what they did is they actually reduced the price of the vic 20 to price match the timex but then a little later on the timex has sort of passed its prime and they were selling for about 49 dollars. and commodore had a trade-in deal where you could trade in any competing product for 100 dollars off of commodore 64. oh my god so i think the timex sinclair actually spurred a lot of commodore 64 purchases because you got 100 dollars off for spending 50. yeah <laughs> very very cool uh aj uh you said you had a, a an old tech item that you uh that you have lying around wow. the house yeah, I mean, I was thinking about, uh, I was sort of thinking about what's the oldest piece of tech that's in my house, and, and my first thought was probably the router, but no, I've recently upgraded to mesh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, actually, I still use uh, a Tivoli radio. You remember those? Tivoli? Oh, yeah. They, they were these little um, uh, radios that um, that came out, and they were sort of, it, maybe it was around the time that Sonos was sort of big, but they were they were literally um, oh, like I remember now. beautifully designed. Yeah, beautifully yeah. designed, wonderfully sounding. Like a lot of money went into the the speaker themselves, and uh, and they looked like just a nice piece of uh, equipment. So I've always kept it, and uh, and and we use it quite often, even with all the smart speakers around the house. Just to listen to CKNW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think Tivoli Audio is still around. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I just went up on yeah. the website. They seem to be uh, kicking around. So maybe that's a collector's item. Okay, we're gonna have to. Let you go. Uh, that's all the time we have uh, left. Uh, don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a Belkin accessory pack. To enter to win, subscribe to our newsletter. That's all you have to do. It's so simple. And once you're uh, entered in, uh, you're entered in for all the contests uh, going forward. So super important. And uh, if you're watching on the interwebs, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Hit that notification button to be notified when we post next. And this is great because we're constantly adding great new tech videos uh, up on our YouTube channel, uh, the Get Connected Media channel, and uh, we'd love to keep making more. So subscribe to that channel. I want to thank everyone that helps put the show together, John, AJ, and the rest of the team. We'll see you again next time.